I'll begin with lighting our candle, which is that symbolic light that is shining within us, through us, right here and right now. And so I take that breath in, in this moment, and I acknowledge that presence, that one life that I call God, the presence, the source. And in this God, I know that there is only good and love and life. And because there's only this one, I know that this is what I am, what I am made of in all of my forms. For God is unlimited. And because it is true for me, I know it is true for all. And I realize and recognize that this oneness, this life of God, that creation is coming from that beginning thought and impressed upon that unformed aspect of God to come into form. And that change is the foundation of creation, for it is always a becoming, becoming more. And it's all of its unlimitedness. And I'm so grateful for that change, for that aspect of God which brings good, for whatever is happening in my life that may be uncomfortable or challenging, that I know that it is going to change because that is the nature of creation, of this beingness of God. And so too, I step into being a change agent for God, for God is living in as and through me now and through all that I may focus my consciousness, my idea into the world and know that there is a change that will occur. And so I allow fully that God, that source, that life to work through me and using my consciousness to uplift and to create change, to bring that good into being. For it is what I am, for what all are, for it is all God. I give great thanks for this, for knowing the power of God is with me and with everyone. That that good is here now. And so I release this knowing it is done, it is fully done, and it is good. And so it is. This month we're working on stepping into the unknown, which can sometimes feel like uh, being in a storm. 
being in a storm. Everything that we want new in our lives is in the unknown. Because what is in the known is what we already have. And whether that's physical possessions or spiritual qualities or any other experience of life itself, we have about a known. Because if we want to experience more of life, and since spirit as us is always expanding, it's just nature, it's always expanding into greater and greater expressions of its infinite self, on this ride forever and so i recommend the latter part it's natural for us to grow because this is what spirit is doing there's this divine or life urge as ernest holmes calls it that wants to grow and wants to be more the flowers the, the trees all the, all of nature all of life answers that call and always is more you never see a tree shrinking down and becoming less the trees are always becoming more you know there's a zen saying that when you reach the top of the mountain keep climbing and so our talk today is the winds of change, the wind change. And change is a constant in the universe. And change involves the rearrangement of things, the, the, the movement of things that something new can form. You, you might have noticed during the last uh, couple of days, especially yesterday's wind, that things got rearranged a little bit. Um, I had to go out in my yard and pick up some things that have been blown over. It's perfectly natural for change, for shift, for rearrangement to happen. The challenge is when we get attached to the way things are, and we start trying to cling to the way things are. I noticed uh, during the, the meditation, the two minutes of silence, I was watching out my, my window here, and there's some lovely large fir trees in the park behind me, and the wind was blowing through them. And the branches weren't sitting there being rigid, hanging on. No, they were moving and creating a beautiful dance of shapes and, and, and movement in there. When we cling, when we get attached to the way that things are, we have, we, we, we're locked up in our belief that life isn't safe and that life won't support us and that we have to control and manip manipulate life to get what we think we want. And so we tend to dig in, we tend to hold on, we tend to cling, we tend to leave claw marks in the ground as change inevitably moves us forward. So let's get honest. Most of us don't like change. Many of us don't like change. Or many of us, even those of us who do like change, I'm, I'm one of those. I, I took a personality test. <laughs> when I first arrived at my previous church, I, I, I was told that they'd been in stasis for two years and everybody wanted change. So I started changing things and oh my God. And so we did a, a, a personality test called the DISC test, D-I-S-C, with the, the leadership uh, there. And I came up high I, which is somebody who just loves change for the sake of change. You know, let's just shake it up for the fun of it. And most of them came up as S's, which are stables. You know, keep it all the same and, and safe and like that. Most of us don't like change. Uh, and even in areas of my life, there's certain areas where I want to hold on. I don't want no stinking change. You know, for some, it's a dislike. And for others, it triggers deep-seated fear uh, of within them. And so change can be uncomfortable and, and it can disrupt our settled, I've got things all worked out lives, our attitude for lives. 
You know, yesterday in our, our, our year-long mystic program, people were describing the sense of change and, and somebody described it perfectly as the muck. And most of the time we have to go through some muck to get to the new that we really want. You know, you may experience the muck and you may experience, say you're moving from one home or one job to another and you may be all excited about the new one, but when it's time to go, you experience maybe grief of letting go of the old one. I remember uh, uh, three years ago when I donated my, my 2003 Mazda 6 that I'd had for since you know 2000, early 2004, um, I, and I had just bought my Miata, which is a car that I wanted for over two decades. I was so excited about it. I was so happy about it. But I donated it to a radio station. And, and as a truck came to take away my old car, I had this insane urge to run down the street after the truck yelling, I want it back, I want it back. Because you know this car carried me through all these memories, all ministerial school and six different churches and two different marriages. There was all this stuff locked up inside that car, and I wanted to hang on to it, but not really. I did let it go, and somebody else is having a wonderful time with that car, and I'm having a wonderful time with my Miata. Sometimes the muck is shallow and short. Sometimes it's deep and wide. You know, I. I uh, I can't say I'm a friend of Bishop Carlton Pearson, but I, I know him and, and I've met him uh, a couple of times. He was an evangelical Christian minister who was personally mentored by Oral Roberts. And he built a church in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma of over 6,000 people attending on Sundays. And he had one of the most popular shows on the, on the Trinity Broadcast Network, reaching millions through this, this popular show. He consulted with three different US presidents. But in 2002, he had what he called an epiphany from God. The God's love was all-inclusive. Now, for us, that's kind of a, well, duh idea. But in evangelical Christians, where it's, it's you know, there's this black and white and punishment and, and salvation, you know, that was, not a good, that was not a good thought to have. He had the idea that hell, as perceived by Christians, couldn't really exist, that non-Christians and even homosexuals and, and everybody who was outside of the parameters would actually was actually already in God's love and would never be and you know end up in some eternal hellfire and damnation. And people were so excited about his idea that his church went from over 6,000 people to less than 1,000 people in an extremely short period of time. And, and a couple of years later, he was declared a heretic by the organization that had ordained him as a bishop. And in 2006, the church lost its building uh, because they couldn't afford it anymore. That's a lot of muck. That's a lot of muck. Today, he's a sought-after speaker in New Thought and similar churches. He's, he has a, a number of things he's doing. He has a movie that was made about his life. Um, and he reports his life as being more authentic and him himself being more at peace. See, he had a call. He talked about his call all the time, and he had a call. But the call was bigger than the parameters of where it seemed to start off with. The call was bigger than the, than the limited idea of what God was. And when we get called by God, there's always expansion that is happening because that call, that call from the infinite is bigger than any idea we might have. Ernest Holmes says evolution is always forward, always forward. We can look at evidence and see that. You know, sailors, since we're talking about the winds of change, sailors learn how to read the winds and work with them to get where they want to go. 
And in the same way as we practice, as we practice listening to inner guidance, as we practice paying attention to outer circumstances and what are we, what are they saying to us? They're not just happening, you know, oh, oh you know, there, there's something going on. What can we learn from those outer circumstances? What can we hear from our inner guidance? We learn to sail with the winds of change instead of either floundering as we are ignorant of both how the wind and, and, and works and how to work with it, or as we tend to tenaciously resist change. We get to work with it. So how do we become effective sailors? Sailing the waters of life supported by the winds of change. The first thing is to know where you're going. Have a purpose. The, the Roman uh, philosopher Seneca who lived 2000 years ago said, if one does not know to which port one is sailing, no wind is favorable. If you don't know where you're going, no wind is going to take you there. So have a purpose. And the, the purpose doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to save the world or, or whatever. We had this discussion yesterday. You know, One of the people had the, the aha that, the, that that person's purpose was to simply express oneness in their lives. My, one of my main purposes is to express love. You know, and sometimes I'm challenged by that, and sometimes I'm not. Without a purpose, we're just blown around. So the first step is have a purpose. Know where you're going. Know what it is, where you're sailing toward. And then secondly, raise your sails. When a sailor finds a suitable wind, they hoist the sail to let the wind power them, to let them go where they want, to get them to where they want to go. And so for us, how does that work? That means two things. First, we engage in the practice of listening to inner guidance. We listen to our call. What wants to express through us? And then second, we pay attention to outer circumstances. Michael Beckwith said, we are pushed by pain until we are pu pulled by a vision. And oftentimes what pushed by pain comes from the seeming outer circumstances, as well as perhaps an inner urging. And until we listen to that vision, until we hear that vision, until we know our purpose, until we know what it is that spirit is seeking to express through us right now, we're pushed by pain. Once we're pulled by the vision, it pulls us in the direction, just as the wind will draw this, drive the sailboat in the direction. So things aren't working out in the outer. Perhaps there's a new or different direction being called for. See, we don't want to be like flies, you know, kind of like banging our head against the window all the time when there's an open window right next to that window. Yeah. We may have to disrupt or, or even abandon the path we're using to go where we really want to go. In sailing, we can see the interaction of three elements. There's a triune nature that acts through all of life, whether it's the, the trinity of the, of the Catholic Church, or whether it's the triune nature of Ernest Holmes, or whether it's, it's the elements. There's, there's a triune nature that acts throughout all of life. And so the moving, changing element of the wind, which wants to create new, which wants to move, which wants to blow us somewhere, is balanced and offset in a boat by the stabilizing element of the keel, which wants to keep us stable and upright. And it's only the helmsman, who's the third element of this, of this trinity, that reconciles the two, that, that creates directed movement over the water to use this force of wind and the stabilizing element of the keel to go somewhere, to accomplish something. And the helmsman, ideally, in this, in this metaphor, is guided by inner knowing. Inner knowing. 
Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr talks of three elements, order, disorder, and reorder. And we tend to like to think of these as sequential events. Well, I was in order and then all of a sudden I got, everything got disrupted. Now I'm in disorder and I'm hoping to get to reorder soon. The thing is, these elements are all operating constantly, simultaneously. We're not going to land in some new uh, special order. Yesterday we were talking about as children, several of us had this idea of if we could just get to be adults, everything would be okay. If we could just get through childhood, if we could just get through stuff, we get, we get to be adults, we get to be married, all will be well. And of course, most of you who are on this call have had the experience that you've gotten to adulthood to some degree or another. And you've noticed that the movement, the shift, and all that stuff keeps on happening. The truth is that these three forces are constantly acting simultaneously, and all three are necessary for our unfolding as spiritual beings. So there is a core stabilizing force that allows us to trust life, to build upon and to create from. You know, in both physics and metaphysics, we speak of laws, we speak of processes which we can count on, that we can lean into. We're not gonna wake up and tomorrow, you know, the world will be, you know, orbiting a different sun, you know, or the sun will, quote, rise in the west instead of the east, or maybe it'll come up from the south this time. You know, we don't live in that order. We have, the, there's an order, there's, a, there's laws that we can count on. At the same time, there is a disorder. Ask any scientist. There is a disorder, a seeming chaos where things don't work as they're supposed to. This is how we got quantum physics, was because the nice orderly system of Newtonian physics had holes in it. And it was becoming more and more obvious that, that as, as scientists pushed down into a greater knowing and a greater awareness and a greater understanding of life, something else was going on that did not follow the laws of Newtonian physics. So seeming chaos is where things don't work as they're supposed to. And we've all had that experience. I know I, this is supposed to work this way, and it doesn't. This is the movement. This is the activating energy. This is the wind in the sails which propels us forward. And there's a third element, this reorder that, that uh, Richard Rohr talks about, and it's the integrating, reconciling element. It interacts with the first two to create something new, just as the helmsman on the helmsperson on the, on the sailing boat interacts with the forces of stability in the water and wind across the water movement. You know, in Chinese philosophy, most of us are familiar with the yin-yang symbol. But what most of us don't realize is that that symbol is contained within a circle which represents the absolute, what the Chinese call the wuji as the third element, the infinite presence as the third element to re reconcile this movement of yin-yang energy. Flour and water become bread only when they're bo bonded by heat. You can put a pile of flour on, on the, on the uh, counter, you can pour a bunch of water in it, nothing's gonna happen until you mix it up, maybe add a little yeast and bo bond it by heat. A nucleus and electrons only constitute an atom within an electromagnetic field. So there's always a third element. There's always a something larger. So when the winds of change are blowing, are howling through your life perhaps, and your desire for stability is screaming, I just need to land somewhere. Ask, what is the larger view? 
What is that third overarching element that wants to be revealed, that wants to reconcile, that wants to take all of this and use it for something forward moving? Our intellect, which is usually based in our stable you know, keel, which knows and understands, it, it's got it all worked out logically, is blown apart. It's not going to give us an answer. We have to turn to something bigger and more powerful than us to allow that something new to show up. The winds of change can be chaotic, and they can also be energizing. They can shake up the lethargy that can develop from too much stability. You know, I'm happy here. I, I've been here for a long time. I'm too old to learn anything new. I'm blah, 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 all that stability talk, right? I've seen people who are, you know, in their 20s who are too old to learn anything new. And I've seen people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who are still out there doing it and learning something new. A couple of faces are on this on my screen right now. Change can be fun. Breathe. Change can be fun. I can testify to that. When we recognize it as the universe expressing something new and more wonderful through us, and we say yes. So this week, I'm going to invite you to do two spiritual practices. Number one, ask yourself, ask, sit and, and ask that inner guidance. Where are the winds of change blowing in my life? Because trust me, somewhere in your life, the winds of change are blowing. And we may have, like I said, it's, it's elements that are working all the time. So we may have an element of our life that is very stable and we're good with that. And then we may have an element that's the winds of change are blowing. You know, for myself, I've been feeling for the last actually year and a half, and it's getting more powerful, the, the desire to express my ministry in some sort of a bigger way. That like Bishop Carlton Pearson, I have a call that's bigger than just a certain way. Now, take a breath. That does not mean I'm leaving Olympia. Because to me, that's a stable part. That's a base upon which to build. And the ministry wants to expand to include Olympia and beyond. And so I don't know yet what that looks like. I'm starting to get some hints. I'm starting to go, oh, that's too big for me. I don't want to do that. And taking a breath. But I know that the universe will reveal itself through me. So where are the winds of change blowing in, in your life? And how are you being with them? Are you being open or are you being resistant? And the second practice is ask, what is the new order seeking expression through me? What is it that is trying to use the stability that I already have and the winds of change, the movement that is, that is blowing in my life to create something new? Take time to listen to that spirit within, to let that, that inner light, that inner wisdom guide us. And remember that you're always standing in that light. You're always within that light. So that's our two spiritual practices. First, where are the winds of change blowing in my life and how am I being with them? And secondly, what is the new order that wants to express through me? I want to close from a quote with a quote from, uh, I'm going to butcher her last name because I've never learned how to pronounce it, Cynthia Berjolt. And she has an essay called The Law of Three. And this particular passage is working with um, the works of uh, uh, the, the work of uh, George Gurdjieff. In the unawakened human being, Personality is active, essence is passive, and life itself is the neutralizing or third force. Or in other words, 
Life conspires to keep a person just where they are, conditioned, superficial, and in Gurdjieff's unlovely estimate, a machine. When that person commits themselves to a path of awakening and places their spiritual growth in the position formerly occupied by unconscious living, a change begins to take place. Personality ceases to run the show, and the person's real but heretofore latent essence begins to emerge as the active force. When that person commits themselves to a path of awakening and places their spiritual growth in the position formerly occupied by unconscious living, a change begins to take place, the personality ceases to run the show, and the person's real but prior heretofore latent essence begins to emerge as the active force. I invite you to let your essence emerge as the active force. And we have an affirmation to support us in that. Say this with me. I welcome the winds of change blowing freshness into my life. And again, I welcome the winds of change blowing freshness into my life. And so it is. And so take a breath with me and just move into that state of remembering spirit. Remembering that you are within spirit, that you are within this, as Teresa so beautifully described in the opening meditation, this that is present right here and is beyond and then is beyond that. We are one of that. We are expressions of that. This infinite presence is taking the time and the energy and the thought to be itself as each and every one of us. Each and every one of us is valuable. Each and every one of us is important to the purpose of the divine in its expression. Else we wouldn't be here. And so take that in. You are valued and valuable. You are loved and lovable. You are the wisdom and the beauty and the joy of the divine in form. And so it is. <laughs> 